0: We said that God's motivation was not that he hated the world, so he killed his only son, but he gave his son. And we said that the word that that John uses for world is the word cosmos, meaning all of it, the whole thing, how it's put together, the economy, the ecology, the systems, the people, the animals, all of it. God loves all of it. And... Uh, And he's a a God that is redeeming all of it. Jesus is on what we would call the born again project. He is not destroying the world. He is renewing it one person at a time. He is rebirthing a new world. And that's the project that he's on. Today, we're gonna kind of get to the next part of the story. Every good story has a main character who's after something in the face of opposition. Um, if you're gonna have a story, you gotta have somebody who is working against the main character. And, and that's who we're gonna bump into today. So I, I wanna read for you now uh, uh, the passage for today. It's from uh, from John 5, verse 14 through 18. Afterwards, Jesus found him, and the him he found is the guy that that he just healed at the pool of Bethesda in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them. My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Man, blessed be the reading of God's word. Lord, I I pray right now that you would, School us, Lord, teach us, make us aware. Um, Help us understand how to address the evil that's in this world the way you did, Lord. Um, We we wanna be sober-minded, Lord. We want a church that can see reality. And so where maybe some of our eyes have been blind this morning, I pray you would open our eyes. Where there is evil uh, creeping around us, Lord, give us clues to where it is. And Lord, where there's evil in our society, Lord, help us have eyes to see it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just acted out the, the story of the big bad wolf. And the Big Bad Wolf is an interesting story. Uh, I'll just go over it real quickly. You got this girl named Little Red Riding Hood who wears a red hood. That's why they call her Little Red Riding Hood. And she is sent to her grandma's house to bring some cookies. And she's told, make sure you stay on the path. Don't get off the path on the way to grandma's house because when you stay on the path, you're safe. But when you get off the path, there's things out there that might come and get you. And of course, like all good fairy tales, uh, our main character is walking down the path and sees so- something that's going to tempt her to do what she was not instructed to do. And so she sees some wildflowers, and she jumps off the path, and she starts picking wildflowers. And while she's out there off the path, a big bad wolf comes along. And he startles her and she drops her basket. And he says, where are you going? And he hands her the basket back. And she says, I'm going to my grandma's house. And the wolf says, okay. And, and then he lets her back on the path. And so she gets back on the path and the big bad wolf for some reason runs on ahead to grandma's house. And when he gets to grandma's house, the short end of the story is he eats her, he eats her whole and then he dresses up like grandma and so when uh red, little red riding hood shows up she hears grandma uh ask her to come in and she knows grandma's sick but the voice doesn't sound quite right and then she sees grandma in the bed and grandma looks different and so she she goes through these three questions grandma what big eyes you have and the big bad wolf dressed up as grandma says the better to see you with she says grandma what big ears you have the big bad wolf says uh um granddaughter better to hear you with and then she says grandma what big teeth you have and right then the big bad wolf says the better to eat you with and grabs her and eats her up and right before he eats her she lets out a a giant scream and a woodsman just happens to be walking by the house right at that moment with an ax and he comes in and uh, the domesticated version as he, he takes the wolf and shakes uh, the, the Little Red Riding Hood and the grandma out the wolf and then picks up his ax and chases him out of the woods and the big bad wolf is never seen again. And I just can imagine Little Red Riding Hood one day appearing on Oprah Winfrey um, and Oprah or 60 Minutes. And the interviewer sits her down and after hearing this scary story says, "Why, why didn't you run out of the house when you first saw that the wolf was dressed up like your grandma? what took you so long to figure out that it was the wolf? And I can almost hear Little Red Riding Hood saying, it's because I didn't expect evil to be in my grandma's bed. And I think that we as Christians sometimes are ignorant of the evil that's in our world because we don't expect it to be in a place that's supposed to be safe, and so because of that, we're, we 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 often tolerate it. We often don't see it. We often don't confront it. And so today, I, I want to talk about pure evil. I was reading this passage last week, preparing for the sermon, and uh, you know, most of John five. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of language. It was kind of confusing. I was like, I'm not exactly sure what to do with this. I was about to break out my commentaries, and I felt like God said, no, 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 sit down. I want you to look up Proverbs 7. So I looked up Proverbs 7, and Proverbs 7 is the story of the adulterous woman. As I began to read that and understand what God was saying, a, a kind of very sober-mindedness Fell over me, and I realized God was wanting to warn His church to watch out for pure evil. And so today I want to talk about pure evil, and uh, there's going to be a lot of teaching. I'm going to go as fast as I can, but I have a lot of points. So if you have a notepad, this would be a good day to have a notepad. I know it's sometimes hard to connect my dots, but today, uh, you probably want a notepad because there's a lot of points and I think I think maybe God's trying to say something to us. The first point is pure evil uh, wants to kill you. The second point is pure evil is not rational. It doesn't make sense. The third point is that pure evil likes to show up where you expect to be safe. The fourth point is pure evil will always hide its intent. The fifth point is that pure evil will normalize abuse and normalize uh, uh, what is wicked. Pure evil attacks whatever threatens it. And pure evil will always maintain its innocence, mostly because it's, it's trying to hide its intent. And so we're going to walk through all of these real, real quickly um, and, and take warning from the scripture. And then we're going to look at how Jesus went about confronting pure evil and uh, get engaged in that same activity because as disciples of Jesus, we, we need to be like Jesus in this world. Point number one, pure evil wants to kill you. This is really clear in the scripture that we read today. In this scripture, we see that uh, John just goes right to the inside track. From that moment on, the Jews were plotting to kill Jesus. And I think we know this because of a story we read a couple weeks ago about a guy named Nicodemus. I think Nicodemus was on the inside of all these conversations. I think Nicodemus became a believer one day. And I think Nicodemus told everybody, let me tell you what was really going on uh, behind the scenes. And, and this is why John knows for certain that the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus. Uh, there, was no, uh, there was no doubt about it, but they would never say it. You'll see later on in the, in the, in the scriptures that uh, Jesus will say, why do you want to kill me? And they'll be like, we don't want to kill you. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? Nobody here is trying to kill you. And yet, all the time, the whole time, they were trying to, to kill them. And, and that, that was what was so scary about uh, reading uh, Proverbs 7. And you, you can pop that up now, John. Um, in Proverbs 7, we see this woman uh, come out to greet this young man. And she says, uh, it says, uh, start in verse 9. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. And this was where the, the, the God really began to speak in, to me because I, I looked up the, the phrase for crafty intent um, in verse 10. And what it actually says, where, where we would have it here, where it says wily of heart, um, what that phrase in the original Hebrew is, a guarded heart, and most of the time when it appears in Scripture, it is a, a positive to have a guarded heart. But in this case, what's really going on here is that she is hiding from this young man her true intentions, which is so fascinating because she comes to him and blatantly says, "Hey, let's go back to my place, my husband's, away from from the home. I've I've sprayed." my bed with perfume. And she even tries to make it sound uh, okay because she just made her fellowship offerings at the at the temple. And uh, that's why she has meat to eat because when you did a fellowship offering, you were telling God, I, I just, I love you, God. I just appreciate you so much. And part of the offering would go to you and part of it would go to God. It's like you're sharing a meal with God. And and you would take that offering back home and you would have to eat the meat that day. And so how devious is this woman saying, hey, I've been to the temple. She's pretending she has a right relationship with God. Once you come back with me? And so what is hidden? What is hidden here? What is hidden in her heart? It's clear what she's after. It's clear what she wants. She comes out and brazenly says it. But as we move Towards the end of this chapter, verse 24, the writer of this says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your hearts turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. What was hidden in this, uh, in the heart, of this woman, this adulterous woman, was that she wanted to kill this young man. And that's why I don't actually think this is a a warning necessarily against a woman. It's a warning against a seducing spirit. So a seducing spirit will come to us and it will promise us things and it will make things feel normal that should be wrong and it will, not tell us its true intention, its true intention is to kill us. And that is so much what the Pharisees are going to start doing with Jesus from the moment that he starts breaking the Sabbath on purpose in their face. Take up your mat and walk, he told the guy. Um, He could have just said, get up and walk, and there wouldn't have been a problem. But he said, take up your mat and walk. And we'll get back to why Jesus did that in a minute. But it was the fact that he did it. The fact that he was blatantly getting people to disobey the rules that these Pharisees had set up. That's why they wanted to kill them. They were in charge and they wanted to stay in charge. And there were some evil folks, some pure evil behind the reason they wanted to be in charge. And you know they're pure evil because they're trying to kill God. And anybody that's trying to kill God is pure evil. Uh, Point number two, of pure evil is it's not rational and we have to be really careful here. You know, it actually doesn't make sense that the big bad wolf runs to grandma's house and takes the risk instead of just eating red riding hood right where she's at. But evil doesn't always make sense. In fact, evil is often irrational. Evil uh, almost is instinctive when you bump into pure evil and a lot of times we'll be fooled by pure evil because we'll say well that doesn't make sense why would they do it that way there's no good reason to do that but that's the whole point guys pure evil is very predatory in in nature uh I, i remember i was told this story one day we we, were, we used to go out on the streets on Friday nights, every Friday night when I was first down here in my 20s with a Vineyard Church. And I would always go to uh, a convenience store that was on Howard Street. It's an abandoned storefront now, uh, right around the corner from Polina. And I would just hang out there because the guy who owned the store, Eddie, uh, knew I was a Christian, knew I was there to share the gospel with people. And as people would come in to buy... Uh, cigars so that they could roll up their blunts he'd be like this this guy needs jesus right here scott you need to talk to them and so i just hang out there and go fishing all night long and i remember one night i was there with my friend elizabeth and all of a sudden this uh, this asian guy stumbled in he was all beat up his clothes were torn a little bit and uh he stumbled in and he like needed help uh the police came uh, when the police got there, they started going after this guy, questioning him, like treating him really in a in a in a like a very disrespectful way. I didn't understand it. And so we kind of stepped in and they were like, one of the police officers looked at us, saw our concerns, like, let's get out of here. And so this guy uh, started telling us a story. I'd come down, he'd been mugged. He lost all his money. He needed to get to the airport. Could we help him out? His dad was incredibly wealthy surgeon at the Mayo Clinic. He would pay us back, give us his address. we jump in the car, Elizabeth's car. She goes, uh, gets out enough money for him to uh, get on the plane. And along the way, he tells us a story. Once upon a time, there was a scorpion. And he came to a river and he wanted to get across the river and he saw a, a, a fox that knew how to swim across the river. And he said to the fox, hey, can you swim me across the river? And the fox said, sure, jump on my back. And so the, the scorpion jumped on his back. And right, right as they, they're about to go into the water, the, the, the fox said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're a scorpion. I, can I trust you? You're not going to sting me, are you, once we get out there? And the scorpion said, no, 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 I would die if I stung you. And the fox said, okay, okay. And so off they went, and, and the water got a little deeper, and the fox said, here, jump on my head, but you're not going to sting me, are you? And the, and the scorpion said, no, 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 I won't do that, I won't do that. And Finally, the fox was just like, just his nose, and the scorpion had to get on his nose. And the scorpion stung him. And the fox, the poison hit the fox's body, and as he was dying, he looked at the scorpion, and he said, what, why are you doing this? And the scorpion said, It's in my nature. And they both died. Pure evil is irrational. The devil is irrational. He's in a losing battle. He's not gonna win, but that doesn't mean he's not gonna do wicked, destructive things. There, there's no negotiating with pure evil. Pure evil wants to kill you. And C.S. Lewis's book, *Perelandra*. uh, there, there is a it's a story about um. A pure planet, Venus is the pure planet, and a a guy from Earth is sent there to intervene between the devil and the first Adam and Eve-like couple that's on that planet. And the devil is trying to uh, uh, corrupt um, the Eve character on that planet. And there's a scene in that book where the devil's on the beach and he's just killing all these animals just because. And C.S. Lewis wrote, the smile was not bitter, nor raging, nor in an ordinary sense sinister. It was not even mocking. It seemed to summon ransom with, ransom's the main character, with a horrible naivety of welcome into the world of its own pleasures, as if all men were at one in those pleasures, as if they were the most natural thing in the world, and no dispute could ever have occurred about them. It was not furtive nor ashamed, it wasn't ashamed. It had nothing of the conspirator in it. It did not defy goodness, it ignored it to the point of annihilation. Ransom perceived that he had never before seen anything but half-hearted and uneasy attempts at evil. This creature was wholehearted. The extremity of its evil had passed beyond all struggle into some state which bore a horrible similarity to innocence. It was beyond vice as the Lady, the Eve character was beyond virtue. This is what we're up against guys. Evil wants to destroy because that's what evil wants to do. And you've got to know that when you're dealing with pure evil. Evil likes to show up where you expect to be safe. Uh, We see that in Little Red Riding Hood. And we see that in our lives. And that's why evil will show up at church. Evil will show up in the boardroom of where we decide how we spend our money at church. It'll show up in our families. It's mama's boyfriend or stepfather or that uncle. Evil shows up in the police who are there to serve and protect because that's what evil does. It goes to the place where you expect to be safe because that's where it can get away and deceive you. And so we have to keep our eyes open to, where, to the safe places we have in our lives and make sure that pure evil isn't showing up there. We have to be vigilant. Pure evil is going to hide its intent. Pure evil is not going to tell you, even though this Asian guy told us that story and then took our money and uh, (laughs) we never heard from him again. We called him, called the phone number, didn't work. He clearly was kind of foreshadowing to the fact that he was about to rip us off and did not care about it. But most of the time, evil like the Pharisees is not going to um, uh, come out and say, I'm trying to kill you. I'm trying to destroy your country. I'm trying to uh, uh, mess up your community. I'm gonna mess up your marriage. I'm gonna destroy your future. No evil comes and says, I'm the best guy you've ever met. I'm the best woman you've ever met. Uh, I've got a better future for you. That's how evil is gonna roll. They're never gonna tell you what they're up to. Joseph Stalin, uh, who took over uh, the communist revolution and murdered more people than any man in history was always a murderer, always a thief. He was always a gangster and he got into that communist party and he uh, basically started getting rid of his rivals. That's the way evil does. Saddam Hussein did the same thing in, in Iraq. That's how pure evil rolls. It's gonna hide its intent. Um, pure evil, this is one of the trickiest things about pure evil. Pure evil will normalize abuse. Moon and I recently watched uh, the documentary on Jeffrey Epstein and uh, as the ladies who he abused talked about how it happened, what was interesting was how normal he made the abuse seem. He would do what he did to the ladies and then leave money on the table and walk out like 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 they were okay with it he would assume their their uh consent and what was even worse was he um he had his wife help him do it or he would get women to help lure other women right because that's how evil does it evil uh get someone you feel is safe to lead you into its class, right? And, And then it will try to tell you that this is normal. It's normal for you to be abused. And guys, like, that is happening to us right now. Pure evil is telling us it's normal for the police to treat people in the black community in low-income neighborhoods like this. It's, it's normal to get bounced off the hood, hood of a police car to, to have death threats to uh, um, be shot. It, it's normalizing and has normalized uh, the idea of race. The idea that because of your skin color, you're not worth as much as somebody else. Pure evil, when it comes, it tries to normalize an abusive system, an abusive structure. the the drug dealing in our neighborhood, we see the guys out on the corner every day. We know they are, some of them are going to shoot people and some of them have people coming to shoot them. We've had, I think, 70 Americans have been killed in our city since in the month of May. 70 Americans killed in Chicago the month of May. And we normalize it. And that's what pure evil does. Pure evil comes to us and tries to say, this is the new normal. You can't do anything about it. You have no choice. This is the system I've set up for you. And you're just going to have to live with it. That's what pure evil does. And it'll give you all the reasons why you can't uh, get out of that system. And at the same time saying, no, no, we're not trying to hurt you. We're not trying to harm you. Everything's fine in America. We don't have a messed up system where 70 Americans die in an American city over the month. Everything's fine. It works. That's what pure evil does, guys. And pure evil is going to attack all threats to it. As soon as Jesus starts to threaten the status quo, as soon as he starts to say, hey, you know what, I don't think the emperor has any clothes on. I think that dude is naked. Do you guys notice that this isn't working? As soon as that starts to happen, as soon as Jesus starts confronting it, the Pharisees and the power structures start trying to figure out how we're we going to get rid of this guy. Now, Pure evil might not kill you physically, if it can't get away with that, it just kill your reputation, right? How much garbage are we hearing about George Floyd right now? About his character, right? And how much do we always hear whenever these kind of things happen, right? Um, and so evil will attack, all right? It's gonna attack. If you start to confront evil, put your armor on, church. We start actually going after evil as a church, put your armor on, we're going to war. And there's, there's gonna be uh, shots fired back at us. There's gonna be division that tries to come into our body. There's gonna be wolves in sheep's clothing and sometimes wolves in shepherd's clothing. The enemy is not gonna just lay down and, and let us disrupt his abusive system. Jeffrey Epstein had a Ponzi scheme of abuse. He had a whole system that he created for 15 years and got away with it. There were, and he would threaten anybody that, that came after it. He would hire private investigators to follow them around 24 seven. Whether it was the lawyers or the victims or anybody, he would, he would come after them with intimidation. And I think sometimes that's why when a system is sort of working for us and not working for our brothers and sisters, We just stay home, all right? Or we don't actually push for the legislation that is necessary to make a change. Or we don't sacrifice our surplus where there's deficit in that system. Okay, that means I'm at 30 minutes. I'm doing all right, we're almost there. All right, Um, so it attacks all threats. And the whole time, number seven, it's going to maintain its innocence. The Pharisees are always publicly maintaining their innocence. We're not trying to kill you, Jesus. And in fact, if you think about it, when the Pharisees come to Jesus, when do they come to get him? At night. That's why Judas has got to kiss Jesus, because it's dark out. And they want to make sure they get the right guy and that Jesus doesn't, they don't grab Peter and then they find out Jesus got away. So they have Judas come stand by him and kiss him so that they can grab him for sure. They come at night because they don't want the people to know until the Romans are on board what they're doing. And so, church, what do we do about pure evil? And, and these are the next uh, three points. Our job towards pure evil is do these three, three things. We must unmask the hypocrisy of pure evil. We have to help people see evil for what it is. We have to basically say, the emperor has no clothes on. Grandma, uh, that's not grandma, that's the big bad wolf. We have to unmask it. And that's what Jesus is doing, see? Jesus is so brilliant. He knows that the reason the Pharisees have set up all these laws, he knows uh, is only for control. He knows they're using the religious law to uh, uh, enrich themselves and oppress people. He knows they're breaking the law. Priests are not supposed to own land, and these priests own all the land. Uh, the 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 treasury in the temple is the bank of Jerusalem. And who who runs the bank? The priests. And when you you watch later on in John, John will just drop this little verse in there. And he said all this while standing next to the treasury. Right? Jesus is unmasking. He is coming to say, hey, you're not doing, you're not living up to your constitution right? You're not living up to uh, the Jubilee laws, the Sabbath laws, the share with the poor laws that are in our laws. You, you, you're making, making them about staying in power instead of taking care of people. And so he has, Jesus has to figure out, how am I going to confront this? And so what he does is he creates uh, what we would call a moral crisis. This is what Martin Luther King was doing when he marched in the South. His idea was, I am gonna confront how stupid it is that in a country that says all men are created equal, black people have to go in through the back door, or sit in the back seat, or can't drink out of a certain drinking fountain. So we're gonna disobey those rules that don't live up to our constitution in front of cameras. And then when the authorities attack us, when we don't attack back, when the authorities attack us, even though we are being absolutely peaceful and nonviolent, the whole world will see their evil unmasked and they won't be able to say anymore, we're, we're not doing anything wrong. We're, we're for everybody's good, right? Jesus, his first step in, in making this happen is to show the evil for what it is, to show the true intentions of the Pharisees' hearts. And so how does he do it? He starts healing people on the Sabbath, right? He doesn't tell the guy, get up and walk. He says, take up your mat and walk, right? So he wants him to break the Sabbath laws, but then he's doing it so he can say, what matters more to God, that this man is healed or that he broke your silly rule?" You're missing the point here right and so if we're going to unmask evil we have to hit it where it's a hypocrite where evil says um i have this motive when really they want to destroy we have to confront it and reveal its true motive right that's the first step we have to reveal its true motive to the public um and so we need to do that when we unmask, we need to unmask uh, our leaders. We need to unmask our systems, and guys, we we also have to unmask ourselves. All right, we we have to let the word of God sometimes confront our hearts. You know, in Hebrews four twelve, it says that the the word of God is living and active it's able to get into the actual motivations of our hearts and confront it. And so when we show up at church, when we show up at Bible study, when we spend our time in prayer and we let the Holy Spirit search our hearts, we unmask our own hypocrisy sometimes. We unmask the Pharisee and the evil, the big bad wolf that lives inside of us that if it had its will would make the whole world uh, serve us right so so we also need to unmask the big bad wolf that lives inside of us the second thing we have to do is is in on our in our unmasking we ask, we also have to go and confront once jesus saw that there was evil in the temple he went where to the temple so if we see evil in the police department now, now, check this out. Was Nicodemus evil? No. Was he a Pharisee? Yeah. So so just because, um, just because we're confronting evil in a system doesn't mean everybody involved with the system is evil. But Jesus doesn't uh, let it off the hook because there might be some good apples. He goes after the evil that's in the system. He'll go after the evil that's in our heart. He'll go after the evil that's in our leaders, right? It has to be confronted. You can't be passive about it, all right? You can't be passive about a big bad wolf in your house. It's going to eat your children, right? You you need to get it out of there. You can't be passive about evil in your country. You got to drive it out. That's our job, church, all right? Wherever it shows up, abortion is evil. We got to drive it out. Sexual immorality is evil. We got to drive it out. We have to confront it, unmask it. It's promising everybody that it's doing something good, show it for what it is and kick it out. And that that's true in this time where we see the evil towards our black brothers and sisters. We have to unmask it and we have to be about confronting it. We have to be about confronting it. And the third thing is after we, unmask evil and confront it we have to provide an alternative all right you can't just destroy the one and not have a new right and so the born again project is saying this system must be born again god is not here to destroy it he could destroy it all in a second god could blow just go and the chicago police department gone The Minneapolis Police Department gone. God could go, no more drug dealers in the city, right? He could get rid of all the bad cops, just like that, just like Thanos. Snap his finger. It's all gone. That's not how God rolls. God loves all the world. So God comes to redeem. God comes to give new life, to have the old be born again, right? That's the way. It's born from above. It's God-initiated. So here's the three ways that we provide an alternative. Number one, it's born from above. The God-alternative is born from above. It's God-initiated. Number two, relationship is central to the new heavens and the new earth. All right? Self is not central. Relationship, good relationship is central to the new system relationships healthy relationships is the bottom line all right you look at the laws of jubilee it's about sharing it's about we are all getting along everybody gets what they need there is equity right equity and justice equity and say equity and resources why so we get along, man, if you got 100,000 times what I have and I'm starving, how well am I going to get along with you? I'm not, right? And the most important relationship and the alternative is our relationship with God, right? God is at the center of the new economy. That's why in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit is, the word is distributed same word used when they are giving all their money away in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, what happens? God is now the center. Now I can give up my land. Now I can give up my resources because there's a new bottom line. It's not about power. It's not about money. It's about God. And the third, uh, the, the third thing is God, not man, is the highest authority. All right? Um, when we're making our decisions we're looking at scripture we're seeking the lord it seemed good to us in the holy spirit that we do this and that right so in the alternative system god is always the highest authority and then the the fourth thing is the new system includes confession repentance forgiveness and remembrance of grace The new system understands that the big bad wolf lives inside all of us as well. And it gives us a way out. If you confess your sins one to another and pray for one another, then you'll be healed. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your sins. Right? What's interesting about the Jesus way of doing things is he doesn't say your adversary needs to be punished, your oppressor needs to be punished. He says your, your oppressor needs to be forgiven and loved and welcomed into the alternative system. They need to be given a second chance, just like you were given a second chance. And that's where the remembrance is. That's why we take communion in remembrance of him who died because we should have. So we don't deserve this grace. We don't deserve to be righteous. And when you remember that, you forgive quickly. When you remember that, you are willing to love the oppressor. When you remember that, you are willing to let other people be born again and not destroyed just like you. And so that's the teaching, guys. Thank you for hanging in there. I just want to pray uh, and then uh, we, can, we can go to our benediction and, and finish off. Lord, I pray that we, the church, would have your authority and your power to um, confront evil. That we'd be able to see clearly and go after it and that we, your church, would live the alternative, Lord. We would live the alternative so well that people can see it and say, that's what I want. That's how to do it. And Lord, with this march coming up on Monday, Lord, I, I, I pray that that march would show Rogers Park the alternative and confront the evil. And over the months to come, Lord, I pray that we would Remove the pure evil where where, where it is in our, in our city. Whether it's out on the corner with the drug trade or in the police department where there's abuse and racism. Lord, wherever there is corruption, whether it be in the church or in the government or in the schools or in our neighborhood. Lord, that by your power and by your spirit, We, your church, we, your people, will be able to push it out and create something new, a born-again, beloved community. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.